It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody could ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants Mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmoke, Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegel's with you. The phone number 973-667-1960, 973-667-1960, hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. If you want to talk to us that way, you certainly can. Uh, the Giants guys had their second OTA that was open to the media today. I was out there. You guys were not. So... Um, I guess I'll start with what I saw first, and then you can comment, and we'll talk about the media stuff, which we all got somewhat of a taste of over the course of the day. You know, there really wasn't much to see. Nothing was really going at 100% full speed. Even the 7-on-7 and team stuff was not going, you know, all out full bore. So there's not a whole lot to see. Really, the only thing I would call significant or telling was on the offensive line, the starting right guard was Will Hernandez. The starting right tackle was Matt Parrott. Other than that, there's really not a, a ton much else to report that I think was significant, that I think really told you anything. As the guys are out there, Kenny Galladay was out there, which was good to see. Uh, he wasn't out there when media was given access to practice last week. So that's kind of all I got for you as we kind of figure out what's going on here. Um, and, and I think it's just important to stress to everybody, and Jeff will start with you here because you're a player, you understand this. This is really being used strictly as installation here, which is important for the players, but it doesn't mean that there's a whole lot to see in terms of competition mm. if they're just doing mostly installation stuff. Not yet. Yep, you're right, John. I, I think it's more uh, – we talk about this all the time, about how players can take things from the classroom onto the field. Well, this is, this is one of those things where the coaches get an idea of how these guys can do this, um, and then they'll have to get tutoring if they can't. But you know, it's a big it's a big transition. So that's that's part of it. And also Joe Judge has mentioned um, about conditioning. It's just getting in football uh, shape again, just trying to get movements and doing things that they normally are in shape for during the season. So a lot of installation, a lot of uh, planning and understanding, correcting, coaching, uh, teaching, all those things. That, that's what they're for. Well, yeah. and then I think on top of that is Nick Gates spoke to the media Pretty much it's the first time that a lot of these guys actually got a taste of being with their coaches during the offseason in person because last year all the young guys, mm -hmm. they were on Zoom through virtual means. So I think that's a bit of a change of pace. But, yeah, there's not really much to take away. Jeff, you and I spoke about this last week after that first OTA that was open to the media, and the same offensive lineman for the team number one was pretty much identical to what it was today. But then again, let's see what happens in the preseason and training camp when they put the pads on and these guys actually have to go up against defenders. I think that's really going to determine who has the edge in terms of the offensive line battle. Yeah, and I think just then in terms of the media lens, you mentioned Nick Gates, so I think we can start there. You know, he talked about what type of changes you have with a new offensive line coach. He didn't really get too deep or technical, you know, kind of diving into that. But he just talked about getting used to how you coach – you know, blocking certain plays, certain techniques, and things of that nature. And I, I do think that is an important thing here as we focus on the offensive line and figure out, you know, where this team can make improvements this year. And we talk about the development of young offensive linemen. And really, Jeff, the impact of an offensive line coach on especially a young group of offensive linemen can be very significant. 
And the fact they had to swap between two guys last year. Now you have a third guy in here in Rob Sale. How he integrates with these guys, and it's good that you know all those guys were in attendance, according to you know the media reports, that they get into the groove of what Rob Sale and Jason Garrett want from them, so they can make as much progress as possible this season. Yeah, John, they they get in the meeting rooms. They have you know the the coach that's there, Rob Sale, the head guy. He has a philosophical idea and you know what he's going to bring to this line um, and then you know he has to teach those guys and I think that the other coaches that are there are on board there's a uh, with coach Flaherty lots and lots of experience that those guys can learn from and um, you know let's let's call a spade a spade guys blocking their offensive linemen they've been doing it all their lives okay so the basics are always there it's just the way that they run their philosophy on how they run running plays and some of the, the, the pass sets that they do as, uh, when the quarterback is dropping back. Those change. And also, just depending on who your coach is. So uh, that's where all these OTAs come. They, they're helpful because they've got to start to, to relearn, if you will, because this is a different philosophy from last year. A little bit that the plays are the same, but there's just different philosophies from the coach. So these guys will try to pick these things up. I think it's going to be fascinating. I've said this before. That's the one position group that I want to watch the most in training camp is the battle between the right guard, the left guard, and the right tackle in training camp. And I feel like that's just going to be a lot of fun to watch as it kind of plays itself out through the uh, through the preseason. Yeah, Lance, I want to get your take, but also Nick Gaze basically was asked, you know, how much of the offense is different? He's like, guys, it's pretty much the same playbook. <laughs> well, I hope so. I would hope so, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the last thing we want to hear is, they, oh, they changed the offense. Okay, great. <laughs> that just is not something. So, because Daniel Jones, you know, you want to have a second year in the system. Nick Gaze certainly does because those two guys are very close and um, I think that again like I told you guys I think philosophically is where the things will change as far as coaching style but the but the the playbook is is going to be pretty much the same yeah things like technique may be tweaked with respect to the offensive line because a different coach maybe has a different perspective. I also think this is a great time of the year for offensive linemen to get work at positions where maybe they weren't locked in on last year during games, you know, just to toy with the technique so that in a pinch, if you have to pull a guy from the right side to the left side or vice versa, you could say, oh, well, you know, in OTAs and in minicamp, you know, we gave them some work there. So it's not as if we're throwing them into uncharted territory. But as far as the offense is concerned, what Nick Gates was talking about pretty much plays right into what we were talking about last offseason. The teams that were carrying over offenses from the previous year were going to have a distinct advantage. Why? Because it's a lot easier to have a conversation on Zoom when you already installed your offense compared to teams that are not even getting on the same page with their new coaches at this point. And now all of a sudden on top of that, you want to ask them to get familiar with the scheme. So the Giants are now in year two where there hasn't been an overwhelming amount of change. And it's not so much learning the scheme. It's a matter of fine-tuning technique and guys getting more on the same page with one another, especially some of the new pieces on offense. That's going to determine how successful this offense is going to be. You're not wondering this year, does Jason Garrett have a feel for the personnel? It's a matter of, does Daniel Jones have a feel for Kenny Galladay? Does Daniel Jones have a good feel for Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard who missed some time last year? Because now they're entering phase two of this offense. That, to me, is the biggest difference compared to what we were talking about at this time last year yeah let's stick on the offensive side of the ball Evan Ingram also spoke today and I missed the beginning of him I was trans I was coming back home after practice and I missed his media availability or at least a lot of it I read some of the transcripts and some of the posts about it Lance and you managed to 
watch the whole thing. So what were your major takeaways from, from Evan when he spoke to the media earlier today? Well, the first thing was actually what Joe Judge said earlier, and he was asked once again about Evan Ingram. And here's a common theme, and you could say all you want about, well, it's Joe Judge's job to protect his players. And I think there's some validity to that, but every time Joe Judge is asked about Evan Ingram, there's never hesitation. And, and I feel like, I don't want to say he goes above and beyond, but no, the does. reason why I don't he think does. it's just... He does, you're right. He goes well, above and beyond. I'm with you, Lance. He absolutely well, does. Well, but I guess my point is, it's one thing to accuse him of coach talk, but even if you're accusing him of coach talk, he doesn't have to go, John, to the extent that he goes oh, with yeah. respect to, right, defending, if you want to utilize that term, Evan Ingram. So I go back to what we've talked about on the show time and time again. The view of the outside group, the court of public opinion, the fans, is very different than how individuals, specifically Joe Judge, view Evan Ingram internally. That, I think, continues to be emphasized in every time we hear Joe Judge speak publicly about Evan Ingram. As far as what Evan had to say, he said he's not letting the chatter outside get to him, and he's focusing on the fundamentals and it's business as usual. And listen, that's what's going to determine what Evan can make of this fifth and final season on his rookie contract. It's all about the fundamentals and the consistency. We know Evan has the talent. Mm -hmm. We know he has the versatility. I think the question this season is, if Evan Ingram goes out in week two, let's say, and gets five catches for 50 yards, can he get that again in week three? Or is it going to fluctuate and be very up and down? It's been very up and down at times in previous years. Is this the year with more talent around him where maybe he doesn't get nearly as much attention on him that perhaps he could be more of a consistent force. That, to me, is something at least that I'm going to be watching. Yeah, and Jeff, as much as it, it's the numbers at the end of the day, sure, it's also just, you know, not dropping important important balls <laughs> in the fourth quarter. I mean, fans remember those. They don't yeah. remember the drop necessarily, you know, with 10 minutes to go in the first quarter on a second and six. Sure. You know, they happen and they count and they're important, but they're not remembered. But they do remember the fourth quarter drop on a third down when the team's down a field goal and they're trying to you know come down to score to, to score points to tie or win the game. So yes, it's consistency to Lance's point, but it's also not having those big mistakes or you know lack of execution in the biggest moments that is going to stick out in people's heads. Well, I, t I can tell you this from a player's perspective. I, I think that you know when you hear Evan Ingram say he's he's blocking out all the chatter and. Um, and that's good. I mean, that's it's not as easy. Do you said. believe him? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> that's why I wanted to comment on it because you just—it's not that easy to do that. And I think that um, I've always thought this. And, and, and listen, there was times in my career where you know I was coming off a couple bad games, I had a couple boo birds, and you know they, they, it wears on you. It really does. And I, I think that what you got to do is you got to build your confidence back up. And, and he's chomping it to bit. I think the one thing he wants to do is get to that first game of the regular season as quickly as he can, you know, and really kind of come in and show the fans and himself and his teammates and that they can make an impact on this team. And I feel like if he gets in a good groove and starts catching footballs on a consistent basis, then his confidence will be back, and that will just kind of just go through week after week, and, and the fans will be happy. But, John, to your point and to your question to me is that, no, I do not believe him. It, it's, you can't. You can't block it out. It's too powerful. But you have to, right? I mean, it's kind of a... Yeah, but a Jeff, I guess my question for you then, as a player, what can you do? Because, you just, because, because, no, because a lot of fans will say, oh, he's choking. And, and I don't think that's what it is. But what can you do to, to try to clean some of that stuff up in critical situations where you're yeah. having some issues consistently doing what you do in other non-critical situations? 
you know what? When when the season goes and there's the, we have the they have the bye week, and you know you have that self scout they call about it. You know everybody's got to self scout, self scout. You got to self scout. You got to go back and look at what's what's the problem. Okay, why am I doing this? Is it you know do I need to do this, this or that, or or reach out to people from you know. Pl- prior or previous players that played the position ask them hey what do you see in my techniques is it something that i'm doing wrong you got to find ways to improve john that's what you got to do so you know and and you always hear the cliche you, you know you either get better or you get worse and that's the truth it really is tom coffin used to say it all the time you know so you've got to go out there and constantly improve your game and you know the one of the reasons that i played as long as i did is because i did that i constantly was trying to figure something out to get better and better every single year you know and then trying to rather than change things just try to improve things and i think that's kind of what everyone's going to have to get back to doing is just improving we all know like you said lance we all know how good he is um he can run fast he can block he can run good routes it's just some of the concentration things that he has to focus and those are maybe the things he's working on this off season and well, then the th- go ahead lance i'm sorry yeah i was just going to add the thing that's interesting about just the trajectory of evan ingram's career is he's either had seasons where he's been plagued by injuries or injuries have held him back mm-hmm. or he's had the complete season which was last year but he's had some big yeah. moments where Something he hasn't always necessarily comes delivered. Up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, can it all come together now in year number five, which is obviously a big year from a financial perspective, because if his future is not with the Giants, you clearly want to raise your stock when you hit free agency. Okay. That's number one. And then number two, it's also a matter of him now also starting to not just scratch the surface, but really entering the conversation of taking the potential and actually showcasing in reality what that potential can become. Because I look at Evan where I go over a course of a few seasons and we've seen flashes. We've seen more than Cable, right, what he's able to do. But then at the same time, we haven't seen stretches. So I want to see stretches, not flashes this season. And Lance, the other thing you said in this press conference too, Jeff, real quick, Mm -hmm. was that he's kind of – I'm not sure the exact phrasing he used. I'm I'm going – repeating this off of a tweet so he's kind of trying to forget last year and push it away and I don't think the intention there was that oh it was so bad I don't remember it I think the point Evan was trying to make it and tell me if if my impression of the context is wrong that every year is new and whatever happened last year just doesn't impact this year and that's how he's approaching it yeah I think that the one thing you have to be very cautious of as a player is to is to go out there and a lot of things that you said Lance okay I'm in my fifth year all right, this is a big year for me because it's really it, this is about my future, and whether it's going to be here in New York or somewhere else, and that you really go out there and try to push and you try to grind and you try to do things, and then all of a sudden the next thing you know you're just trying too hard, and you know going now you're dropping everything and you're letting guys by, you're not blocking, and you know so you just gotta you just gotta trust your ability to go out there, improve on the things that you've been working on in the off season, and just play football. I think that if I was sitting here with Evan Ingram, I would tell him the same thing. Hey, guy, listen, you you're so talented. You know, to use the the word uh, from Justin Tuck the other day, you're a freak. He's a freak athlete. Just go out and play, and don't think so much, and just go out and react and do what you can do, and let the chip fall where they may. Was because, I right about the? Con- I'm sorry, Jeff. Finish up. You, that's okay. But I mean, guys in every profession, basketball, baseball, if you push too hard, sometimes the it's it's a bad thing because it just doesn't work. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I'm sorry, Lance. I was just going to affirm. But was, was my context of Ingram talking about last year correct, you think? 
Yeah, I think that he obviously is trying to say to himself, hey, it's a brand new season. Just like we talk about the turnover rate in the NFL is crazy, where just because you do well one season doesn't mean, right, you're going to carry that over. Well, it's no different than from an individual standpoint. I I think that's a a very fair takeaway, and I think that's the right mindset to have. Because the bottom line is, Giants fans are going to remember all of the key moments because they focus on all of their team's games. But in the big picture of things, Evan can't let the drop against the Philadelphia Eagles in game number one last year defined the 2021 campaign. It really is irrelevant. It makes no difference. He could go out there and have a crazy start to the season, and I don't think many people are going to be talking about, once again, an early season game the previous year against the Eagles. So I would have a very short memory (laughs) if I'm Evan Ingram, and I would not let last year dictate the terms of this season. No, absolutely. And then the other player that spoke, Lance, was Leonard Williams. Not a ton there. He talked a little bit about Patrick Graham. But to me, there wasn't really any earth shattering from Leonard. Any big takeaways you had from listening to him back to front? Well, the one thing that Leonard said when he was asked about Patrick Graham's scheme is he said, Patrick Graham doesn't believe there's any robots on this team, which I thought was an interesting phrase. And Mm -hmm. what he was referring to is, once again, something that we've emphasized with the defense. There's so much versatility in the scheme. There's so much change week to week that Patrick Graham expects his players to evolve and change week to week, where he doesn't define them as you're just an edge rusher and we're going to sit you on the outside. We may move you around. You may line up against a different player week to week. So I thought that was interesting because it seems as if guys like Leonard Williams get excited when their coordinator sort of throws some new curveballs their way. And one of the things that I wanted to mention actually tied into Leonard Williams, which I think relates to Evan Ingram, Leonard talked about when he came to the Giants after starting his career with the Jets and how specifically last year the coaching staff emphasized to him, don't overthink it. This was basically what Jeff was trying to say. Let the game come to you. Don't get bottled up and I got to get five sacks in one game. And clearly that philosophy seemed to work for him. So I think Evan could take a page out of Leonard Williams' playbook, which is, hey, you're not going to make up for a mistake here or there in previous seasons in one game, in week one this season. Mm -hmm. So if you let the game come to you and you take advantage of every single rep and opportunity, the numbers should add up in the end as opposed to getting too caught up in that. That could be something interesting, I think, that if Evan can adopt, it may work out well for him this season. Yeah, and some some guys just can't do that. You know, and that's that's, that's the difference. We're all human, um, and we're all wired differently. And it sounds easy, but it's not, and – I think for a guy like Evan, if I've, if I think he just has to take it one game at a time, as we always say, right? One snap at a time, and um, and just understand when when your name's called and the plays, you know that the ball's coming to you. You know you need to focus, and and I think I honestly believe that that drop against Philly, that it, it's a lot like I I remember I dropped a snap on an extra point one time, and guys, I got to tell you, man, it was the hardest thing to get out of my damn mind ever. It, I, it was every single time. Now I'm like, an, oh god, you know. So I had to overcome that, and it's tough. Now, did that now did that mental part of it translate to you actually bobbling snaps and, and messing up on snaps in practice and stuff like yes. that, or was it just in yeah. your head? Yes, you're thinking about it, right? Yeah, you're thinking about it constantly. So, so I guess you know the next question would be like, well, how how did it go away? It got it, it went away by consistency. You know, I got into a rhythm where okay, now I'm not dropping, and now I'm not thinking about it. But it, it's it's a tough road, man. It's a tough road, and um, it's it's actually darn right scary when you get into a game and, you know, you're thinking about, you know, 
dropping a dropping a snap or you know so you got to get it out of your mind and it's not easy so i i feel for evan i really do and that's why i told you i don't believe him because i know for a fact that it's hard to to just let it go and um you know maybe if if you're if you're the first game you go into and and all of a sudden jason says hey we're going to get the ball to evan ingram on the first six plays throw the ball to him in the first six plays and see if he can catch all six of them to get it out of his mind i know that won't happen but you know just kind of going to get you an idea of how it's going to leave his his brain is it if he can get some success in catching footballs and making some plays anything else guys you want to hit on before we get to the calls no i think that was uh that was good stuff i i i didn't get a chance to hear any of them i was reading a lot of stuff on twitter and some of the transcripts but you know uh, the takeaway from the otas guys going into the mini camps i think mini camps will be a little bit more there will be a little bit more um competition and things like that uh it's kind of beefed up because i think that's the it's also the, mandatory which is it, important it's also know. mandatory yeah. and and i think you know lance you you i can't remember who said it but the, the fact is the otas you know for the veterans the, the otas aren't as important as to the younger guys okay the younger guys they need the otas every one of them should be at the otas the veterans sometimes have things here and there but um the minicamp obviously they're gonna this is when the the rookies they take a step back and now they're gonna watch the veterans that come here for a mandatory minicamp, they're going to watch them work. And um, they'll get some reps and stuff, obviously, but, the, you know, I think the mother load of the, the share of reps and stuff is going to go to the starters. And more interesting to see who those guys are. Well, speaking of that, two other things that I wanted to add, and it actually relates to what Jeff just talked about, and it's more of what Joe Judge had to say earlier today. He talked about how Nate Solder, he really likes the fact that Solder's setting a good example for the younger offensive linemen. And he's buying into the fact that he's got to compete to get his job back. That was number one. Number two, as Jeff talked about the young guys, the other thing that gets lost, and I thought Joe Judge brought up a very good point, a lot of these players, the rookies, all they've been doing is they've been training for the combine or the workouts to wow guys for the draft, meaning they're so consumed with getting the fast 40 time or how many reps you get on the bench press that you really get taken out of football mode. So one of the things that Joe Judge said is, with respect to OTAs, it's important to get these guys back in the mindset of what a football practice is like. And think about the guys that opted out, okay? And the Giants have a few players. Ellerson Smith, for example. I think I brought this up on a previous show. Ellerson Smith, who's really been working out on his own for what seems like an eternity. Well, when was the last time Ellerson Smith took part in an actual team activity in a practice setting. So a guy like that, you sort of have to reprogram them. And Joe Judge is using this time before they even get to training camp just so the rookies understand what a practice entails. That, I think, gets lost because, and and this is why last offseason was so painful, I'm sure, for a lot of the young guys. They were trying to adapt to the NFL without having that in-between period. Mm -hmm. And that's very challenging both mentally and physically. The good news is, a lot of the young guys this year at least have that transitional period, and hopefully that'll help them in the long run. Yeah, good point. 973-667-1960. Limited Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Let's get vaccinated. Go to covid19.nj.gov slash vaccine to register. 973-667-1960. Let's go to our first caller of the show. Again, we only have one line, folks. So if you're on the phone, you're listening, and you hear us talking, that means uh, you're on hold. So, And, and we're going to go to you, and you're going to tell us who you are and where you're calling from, which is exactly that. And by the way, if the line's busy, keep trying. Once a caller hangs up, you'll get in. 
Let's go to our first caller. Call you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? John, it's Dave from Cranford. How you doing? Hi, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hey, guys. Um, you know, John, I'm calling in because you said yesterday, um, you know, it's a little slower time. So you said, hey, you know what? We can get some of our uh, regular callers to call back in. So that's why I'm. That's why I figured I'd, I'd, I'd call back nice. in. Thanks for calling, Dave. And then you're welcome, Jeff. And, and then I was wondering, John, because I know you seem to be in charge of all this sort of stuff. Yesterday's call, which yesterday's show, which was awesome, you know, you put it out there today or last night on Big Blue View, and you had a picture of Justin Tuck because it was a great interview with Justin Tuck. But I actually thought more of the theme from that whole call was about Jeff, and I thought the picture should been more about <laughs> Jeff than it <laughs> should have been about Dave. Justin. <laughs> That's just exactly what John wanted to hear. Right, John? Yes, I love callers calling up critiquing my job performance. <laughs> it, it's great. I love it. I welcome it. You know, I, I think the fact that Justin's never on the show and Jeff's always on the show probably <laughs> might point and hint towards why Tuck was the picture. But who am I to comment on things that on, on things? Like well, well, I just I just thought the show turned into I, I thought the whole interview turned into a a comment on. Yeah, it was you know, the last Jeff five minutes of a twenty five minute interview. Yeah, it probably should have been done that way. Yeah, you're probably <laughs> yeah, no. Gosh, you're, you're, the Lance, no, by the way, just to let Lance know, <laughs> yesterday became like a thirty minute love fest for beautiful, Jeff Eagle. Beautiful. Show, I had to wow. listen to this thing. Yeah. I wanted to throw up all over my keyboard. I'm Lance, not. You, it was. Lance, it was brutal. You would have appreciated. It, Lance. No, I know you. Let, yeah. Lance doesn't like anything positive. He would have. No, been well, look, I, I don't think Jeff's a bad guy at all. So, I you know, love Jeff, but I, I don't need people, you know, kissing his butt for 45. Well, minutes. I didn't realize that it became that. But apparently, Justin Tuck thinks very fondly of Jeff Eagle, so it just goes to show you the impact. And, and that by the Jeff way, so had. does Dave. So thank you. Well, yes. <laughs> well, well, that yeah, no, there's a lot of people, a lot of people in his camp. But um, so you know, but but anyway, and and even for Lance too, you know, you guys made up a great on a, a show or two ago about the possibility of Charlie calling into Lance's show um, and being Chuck from New England or something Dave, like that. Dave, what are you um, doing? Was, oh, sorry. <laughs> Did I? I don't know what you guys are planning, but I will tell you this. If you think you're going to pull a fast one on my other shows, oh. it's not happening. So, oh, I, sorry, there, sorry. There, sorry. There are, there are John, ways. John, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought this was already – I figured Lance listens to all the shows. Okay, so <laughs> sorry that, about that. That might be the funniest thing I ever heard. <laughs> okay. But, I, but, but what it made me do was to go on and listen to, to Lance's show. And I didn't realize – for you know, Lance is a basketball expert. You guys, should, uh, his, you should go to his other, sh his other shows. He's, Dave, a, he's you, unbelievable. Dave, 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 hold on. Don't you, un Dave, Dave, you're killing me on this what? call. You don't think we like talk about other things? Like we don't know what each other's knows about? I mean. Dave, come on, yeah. man. Like, we have conversations. No. Like, I know, no, I've known Lance for 15 years. I know he's a basketball No, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying for the fans that are all listening that they should all log into Lance's show. That's what I'm saying. I got you. I got well, you. I, I certainly Jeff, appreciate we were being, the, we were being uh, so the nice. We were being so nice to, Lance, to Jeff. I figured we should spread well, sure. it out. And, John, you're the, you're, the, you're the king of making all these things work. So I, I, I feel like, you know. Do you have a I, point I on like the Giants we... you want to make, Dave? <laughs> okay, have... I do. I, Thank okay. you. Okay, okay, I will. And, and you guys may, you guys may, I don't know. You may think I'm, I'm crazy, but too late for that. Well, okay. No, you're right. You're right. That so a fail. guy, a guy at the back end of the roster that I think has a real chance, and I actually think it's because his skill set is complementary to to the other positions, and it's going to be tough. 
to even say this, but is um, is David Sills as as the sixth receiver? And I just kind of wanted to get your guys' comments. And my, my point is, is that you may say Galladay is a lot like this, and that may be true, but Sills, I, I mean, he, he doesn't have a whole lot to show. But I will tell you this. He's hanging out a heck of a lot with Daniel Jones these days. And my guess is that has everything to do with, you know, every time Daniel wants to throw off schedule, he's got David Sills to throw to. They always, they had a great chemistry before he got hurt. And he's great in, in, in finding coverages in zone. And, and, and I just think that when you think about Tony and, and, and you, know, all, you know, Slayton and Galladay and the guys that are absolutely going to be there, I just – yeah, Shepard – I just wonder if he's not a guy that that could really complement as that last that last position. Now I know a lot of that's going to go to special teams. I know I know that's a a big point, but I just wonder. I just want to get your guys' comments on does Sills have a chance? And and then and I'll let all of you go because you guys are all the best. I, I always thank love you. Appreciate the call. Look that it. We that's know tough. who the top four wide receivers are going to be. Mm-hmm. After that, it's going to be a battle, man. Yeah. You yeah. know, between Austin Mack and Pettis and John Ross and Sills and Bachman, uh, go down the list. It is going to be a battle royale for one, who's the fifth wide receiver is. And I think if John Ross is healthy, he's got a really good shot at it. But, you know, mm-hmm. John Ross hasn't exactly been healthy a lot. And then it's not just a battle for who the sixth receiver is going to be. It's, it's the battle of are they going to keep a sixth wide receiver? Mm-hmm. You know, last year there were games where they had four active wide receivers. Yeah. And that was it. Well, you know, a lot of times determines. I know we talk about the special teams, but just who who they are on the special teams. They might have a linebacker, an extra linebacker that they would like to keep, other than a sixth receiver. You know, that plays better on special teams. There might be a corner, a safety, some some other position may take away, like you said, John, that sixth spot at the wide receiver. So those guys not only are competing for the wide receiver slot at six and number six and on, they've got to play better than some of these other guys competing on the special team slots for those other positions because that's what it's going to come down to. Yes, and if you're going to keep a sixth wide receiver, Jeff, is 1,000% right. They're going to have to be a top special teams player. Right. That's the only reason you're – that's the only way, Lance, you're getting a sixth wide receiver on this roster. Yeah, yep. and- I mean – Remember, there's been guys that have all the talent in the world and they're inactive on game days. And the rationale is they don't contribute on special teams. I would actually, Jeff, I would tack on a few more positions that could impact how many receivers. What happens if they want to keep an additional tight end, especially with a lot of volume at that spot? And then what about additional running backs if they don't feel Saquon is fully ready to go in week one? So, you know, there's plenty of other spots on offense that are going to dictate how many wide receivers they keep. I think what's interesting the last caller brought up David Sills, who actually is a former quarterback, let's not forget. But now that you got a guy like Kadarius Toney on the roster, who has a quarterback background and can be used as like that jack-of-all-trades type of player, that could hurt a guy like Sills. Because if Sills is thinking, hey, my versatility is a selling point, well, we just added a guy who was in the first round who pretty much could do everything that Sills has done and then some. And is also a return guy. So you got to at least think about it through that lens. And if you just go based on experience, all of those guys that we were talking about who were battling for roster spots last year, mm-hmm. the Austin Max, the Alex Bachmans, Derek Dillon, <laughs> CJ Board, who ultimately made the roster, you know, now you added a lot more experience than you had previous last year. 
Galladay and Ross, I know John mentioned Ross has to stay healthy. I absolutely agree. But experience, meaning being in the NFL, he has an edge there. And you know Tony's making the roster. And then Dante Pettis, who was added midway through the season, he's another guy with a wealth of experience. And, oh, by the way, he plays special teams. So, to me, the moves that were made in the offseason and free agency, I think hurt the group last year that we were talking about had a realistic shot to make somewhat of an indentation on this roster. No, 100%. I agree. Well, you know, too, so, and, and the indicator of them going out and getting the people that they did could have come from how they viewed them last year as players. So, you know, you got to look at that a little bit. And I, I feel like you, you hit the nail on the head as far as opportunity. I mean, there is that's going to be a very difficult position to that sixth wide receiver. I don't that's just a deep room. And I don't know who's going to come out above it. But uh, you have just awesome comparisons there, Lance. And it all makes sense. It really does. Um, and you can also even go where the two lo- the two running backs that you signed, um, you know, one of them may not play much special team. So that may sure you may have to keep a six receiver because that, you know, so a lot, a lot of things to under to, to figure out and understand. Bottom line, those guys got to go out and compete. And if I remember last year, David Sills was having a pretty good training camp till he got hurt. Right. Yeah. I mean, broke he was his doing foot very well. So. Uh, hopefully he can come back and, and compete. Yeah, but is Sills, does he bring that special teams factor that he's going to need? I thought he did last year. I thought he was doing well at special teams. Yeah. Okay. Well, th- yeah. well that, 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 that was me ans- asking you that question, Jeff. Yeah. But, but is it, but, you know, I don't, he's not as big as Austin Mack. Um, you know, like a, I, I would say, you I know, think they're little... about the same size, right? If I'm not mistaken. Well, maybe height wise, I think that look. Austin Mack might be a little bit heavier. Um, Sills is 201. That's what he's listed as. And what is Mack like? 208. Trying to find Austin Mack now in terms of what his listing is. Mack is listed as 215. So yep. Mack's yeah. a little bit bigger. Yep. Yes, just a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, 10 pounds in the NFL is, is doesn't seem much, no, you it... know. But it is. It, it means know. something. Sure. Absolutely. So, anyway, who knows? It's, it, they, listen, at the end of the day, they're not sitting there. Okay, well, he weighs 215, so he's going to make the team. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, something tells me that I'm making decisions based on that. <laughs> no, if that was the case, then, well, Paul's favorite player, Jeff, Devontae Smith, would not have a roster spot right <laughs> now. Right. If those were the rules. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah. If, if, if weight really didn't matter, then why not try to find sign some guy that's 430 pounds, you know? I mean. Uh, on the yeah. By the way, on the Giants roster page, uh, and by the way, that would be the uh, Lennon Columbia's Maryland way of creating the Giants roster <laughs> is, yeah. in, in terms of by weight. Um, 6'3", 211, David Sills. Max, 6'2", 215. Okay, so they're pretty close. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. they've pretty, adjusted pretty the numbers. Well, I mean, this goes to show you how much it fluctuates even from season to season. Well, it's funny. I was, I, was, it's funny. I was just talking to somebody at practice today, uh, Rick Saratella, actually, who we've had on the show talking draft with us a lot. And he was at practice today, and we were joking about, he said it's just so hard now to get the right measurables from, like, some of these colleges on players. And I joke with them how you look at some of these, like, I, you know, Jeff and I do some of these games in the NEC, and you ask the coach. Oh, yeah. And it's funny. funny. I I, I think Jeff was actually on a call, and we were talking. I'm not going to give the the, the school the coach. And a player on the website was listed as, like, 189 pounds. Or actually, I think it was, like, 210 pounds. And we Mm -hmm. asked the coach about that player, and he's like, 210 he weighed in yesterday at 248, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you kidding? That's what? a big one there. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, I mean, uh, uh, by two, the way, I'm not exaggerating that story. No, and, by, and, by, and, and two, by the heights, too. Yeah. Sometimes we're like, 
This guy's not six four. He's like five eleven. I mean, there's no way this guy's six foot four. Obviously, the NFL is much more on top of it than than sure. some of the colleges. But it was just the, something that made me jog my memory from that story today, which I thought was amusing. Nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty. Don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching giant games and world class concerts in 2021 as a giant suite partner. Limited full season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call eight eight eight. NYG1925 or visit giants.com slash suites for more information. Let's go back to the phones. Call you're on the line. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, John. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Lance. It's Charlie from Portland, Maine. Charlie, How can, you all doing? Can, can we not do like three times a week or four times a week? Can we like keep it to <laughs> two, please? All right. Thank you. I will do that starting next week. How's that? Oh, I had to call in. I had to call in just because I, you know, I just want to say my son, Ryzen John, has been looking pretty good. I've heard it from uh, different people, you know, Charlie, beat writers. Not who have been even there. running full speed. Oh, I know. I so know. So nobody's that, looking good. Nobody's looking bad. They're hey, just Tom, there. Tom Rock said he was looking good. That's all I'm saying, that he's looking good. So I'm just telling Jeff, we uh we might be getting closer to a bet. Ooh, but anyway, I right like now. that. That I like. That I like. <laughs> maybe not lobster time, like, like like maybe some crabs this time, maybe. Jeff, what Crab. seafood would you like from me? No, we're going to keep it the lobster. It's oh, almost <laughs> expensive. I want, it to hit, I want it to hit home really big with Charlie. I wouldn't, you know, unless he's going out there and, and getting them himself, you know, dropping some traps. Yeah, he and, might be. You know, but uh, <laughs> hey, he's got the other thing is no shot. By go the ahead. Way. No shot. Hey, well, I, I think he has a good shot. I'm telling well, you. Well, Charlie, I'll tell you this. Anyway. I think he is a better shot than Kelvin Benjamin. How about that? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Definitely. Hey, the other thing you guys talking about wide receivers, remember, well, I mean, Paul put it out the other day that they think they're going to keep the same uh, protocols that they had with a 16 uh, you know, person practice squad. and That is veterans. not in stone at all. I've heard different <laughs> variations of that, so I think that's a wait-and-see proposition. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, I mean, if that does happen, we're going to have a lot of wide receivers on the practice squad. Well, that happened last that year, way. too. Last year, I think there were yeah. three or four at one point, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Stills could be end up on the practice squad, so he might be there anyway, and he might be able to get the play down the road, you know. Yeah, that wouldn't uh, surprise no. me. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, but I think that's good. And uh, the only, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, I think, uh, Lance, you can take the tape off your mouth now. I've got nothing to add to this conversation. I'm moving along and waiting for this conversation then, to be honest with you. (laughs) And the other thing, I have called Lance's other shows before. I've talked to Jamie Duke and Lance about, I don't know, it was a year or two ago. It couldn't have been a year or two ago. That was probably a long time ago because that's no longer a setup. Okay, so three Yeah, I know. It was quite a while ago. It was a while ago. That's all I was saying. I, but, so would you, know. you like us to throw you a parade for that? <laughs> yes. No, no I'm Should just we start saying. A celebration? I, you know. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know callers were calling in today to get brownie points for how many times they've called into a program. I wasn't aware this was a new movement. Well, there's a new trophy. Well, I think yeah. that uh, he's trying to get the trophy. <laughs> hey, and Jeff, I just picked something up off eBay. <laughs> I got a picture of you. Kicking the football in the Giants' red with your number 18 signed. 
Okay. And I paid nine ninety nine for it. Nine ninety nine for you today. Nine ninety nine. And by the way, that is not nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Oh, it's not. No, nine dollars. Yes, there is. Yeah, there's a decimal, and it comes pretty early too. And, and to be honest with you, that's good. That's a good price because if you paid nine ninety nine for it, I would say you got ripped off. Now and here's I, just you know. Now here's the thing. I think you probably got discounted because he's wearing the red jerseys, and I think nobody likes to buy stuff when the guy has the red jersey on. Right? I hated those red jerseys. We always lost But the it. thing is, Jeff, yeah. when you get into the Hall of Fame, I'm buying all kinds of your stuff because okay. it's cheap right now. There you go, Charlie. I'm now now we're fortune. talking. Yeah, I'm but the question is whether or not Jeff's willing Thank to you, sign Charlie. any of it if he ever crossed paths with you. That's a whole other story. I think he would. Jeff's a nice guy. I probably would, Lance. I probably would. Yeah, I'd charge against him, your Jeff, wishes, I, you. I probably would. I would yeah. charge him. <laughs> now, Jeff, I, I, I know you hated the red jerseys. I know some some players love them though, right? I think they like just the looks of them, right? But I, there's two reasons why I didn't. I just don't think we played well in them. And number two, they didn't. They just they don't fit well because you you know your jerseys you wear all year, so they kind of like you know they kind of fit you. After. The red ones you throw those things in there and those stupid, uh, what are those the the washing uh, machine color rush Dryers? ones? Oh. You know the <laughs> color yeah, the dryer. <laughs> it, it's just I didn't they didn't I didn't like the way they felt. I really didn't. So. Oh, so like. The jerseys you don't play in often, you think they're they're still a little tight. They are because they're just right. they're yeah you know they're not worked in. They haven't been washed enough. They don't you know it's like an old pair of shoes. You know they're not that. They're a brand new pair of shoes that don't fit right. How it's, often did you switch your shoes? Um, I had a rotation of four shoes for the whole season there, and I like them brand new. So about every three weeks, I would I would be uh, having a new shoe. You know, and some guys are less crazy about their shoes. Like they keep them forever. You know. I was more on the other side where I, I liked them brand new. I liked them really nice and nice and shiny. Now that's specifically your kicking shoe. Yeah. Did yeah. you did you rotate out your non-kicking shoe? Uh, probably I I probably maybe had um yeah probably went through about six pairs a year. And know, th- like and that. those were different shoes, obviously, right? Different um, types of shoes. Your your non-kicking yes, and your kicking. Correct, John. Yeah. So like you know turf shoes. Um, but as as the game as the turf kind of evolved, where everybody was using field turf, you could actually wear your cleats on the field turf. The old days with the with the uh, regular grass, and then you had the artificial turf. You couldn't wear your grass cleats on the artificial turf. Would you wear your grass cleats on the new field turf, or would yes. you, or would yes. you wear uh, wear like the molded ones? Um, a little bit of both. Um, I found like like the home turf at um, the giant the old Giant Stadium when it when we went it's just more like uh, I could wear my I could wear a turf shoe, you know, and it would it would grip pretty good and they were more comfortable too. Um, the I, I didn't like you had to wear you had to wear cleats on grass obviously you know like when we would go to Washington, um, Arizona some of the grass San fields. Francisco San right San Francisco. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know San Francisco the old stadium. Um, was so close, and I think the new one is too. Possibly, I no, maybe not. It, well, anyways, the, the old one was right by the right by the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the uh, new ones is is in Santa Clara. It's not okay. even yeah, Levi's Stadium. So yeah. yes, you know, do you remember back when when the baseball team played there? They had the infield, and so part yeah. of the part of the game was played on the infield. Well, they've got that. You know, I call it like cat litter. It was the infield dirt, um, and it was very porous. So because the tide changed. And when the tide was coming in, the field got wetter. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. And so huh. it just depended on when we played, you know, and when the tide was coming. So there was – this is crazy. And I, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, seriously? So guys would be changing their cleats at halftime if the tide was coming in. 
You know, they would go from half inch to three quarters. You know, Lance, I got to be honest. I'm really disappointed that Paul Dottino has never brought this to our attention. Given his expertise on our pregame shows about field conditions and Mm -hmm. grass and Mm -hmm. dirt, the fact that he never brought this up to us, I think that's like a big demerit in his like, you know, field landscaping type of, you know, expertise. No? Well, Mm -hmm. apparently he must not have a contact in San Francisco who (laughs) measures grass or who measures the jet stream and what direction it moves. He needs to work on his contacts there. That's the problem. He's lacking. And I understand that last year was limited because of COVID and the Giants played the Niners at MetLife. So Mm -hmm. he didn't have to worry about doing his research and homework in San Francisco. But that doesn't mean that he shouldn't have at least some expert in every market, I think, within the NFL moving forward. Well, well, I think in fairness to Paul, I think he was focusing on the land and and he just wasn't thinking about the sea. Mm -hmm. You know, because he's a walker. He's he's a swimmer. Regardless, that was a horrible stadium to play football in. Oh, and it was brutal. Well, you probably didn't like Oakland either then because Oakland also had the baseball infield. Yeah. yeah. Well, in same fact, build. Yeah, exactly. In fact, Oakland was a better like field, you know, because um, the only problem with Oakland is, is that half the, half the stadium was on work furlough. So that's how bad that place was. Well, what it do you was, mean? Meaning they're all they're, half of them are prisoners. They come on the weekends. They get out of jail to come to that stadium and watch the game. It's, you're kidding. I am half kidding, but I'm <laughs> telling you that the fans there are complete. Oh, yeah. They are the worst. Uh, the worst. And I swear to you, I think that Al Davis, God bless him, I think he hired people to stand right behind the bench and not watch the game and just heckle us the whole <laughs> game what they were never some of what, what, go ahead game. Jeff I'm sorry no they never watched the game it's just constant what were some of the more creative non-vulgar ones you heard from the Oakland crowd I love hearing this stuff non-vulgar oh just oh hey watch your footing the grass is wet you know they just they're throwing like you know kind of like just like subliminal stuff in your head you know really windy yeah. out there today look at those flags Fegels. they're blowing like crazy you know just like stupid stuff although they're dumb because I wear earplugs, so I couldn't really hear them all the time, you know, but uh, once in a while. I well, I mean, and throwing the fact that you wear earplugs and you can't hear too well anyway. What, what, so. what, John? Yeah, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I, I remember that, 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 and the, and, when I was, and the Eagles fans, those are the two worst. But in my, in my book, those are the two worst. But the, the, the Raiders fans are ridiculously crazy. I mean, it's just it's like a it's like a circus when you go in there. What was your well, least? I'm like, go ahead, Lance. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say apparently whoever was doing the heckling they should have used to help clean out uh, all of the sewage at the stadium, and maybe they would have lasted at that stadium a little bit longer. They probably would have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they would have fit right in. Um, my least favorite, John. Is least that favorite. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. Least favorite stadium to kick in. Um. It was probably before they built the new Chicago Stadium. Oh, Old Soldier Field, huh? Old Soldier Field was very, very difficult to play. There's three of them. Was it grass uh, or wind at Soldier Field that was a problem? Both. Okay. Both, because I don't know if it's changed nowadays, but see, the the field was the county took care of the field. They still do. Okay, so that's what it is. So the field was horrible. It looks good on TV. Like but it's nice and green. Because they the, spray painted it, right? It's horrible, and <laughs> during in in the wind there is just ridiculous. The other one is um. And, I, of course, I played a long time, so I played in a lot of different eras. But back Memorial Stadium in Cleveland was terrible to play in. Very, very windy, right there on the water. That also had infield dirt on it, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. Mistake yes, by the did. lake? Yep, yep. And um, the other one was Buffalo is a very hard place to kick and loud. And, and, you know, the stadium isn't very high. 
So, and the weather there, as you guys know, can change overnight. I mean, ch not overnight, change in an hour. I mean, that one year in 07. Oh, do you remember that 07 game? Oh, my God. We had everything. We had wind, <laughs> rain, snow, sleet, you name it, sunshine. Um, it no, was it was crazy. crazy. Yeah, it was a crazy yeah, game. Yeah, so. So, you know, now, nowadays I think that the stadiums are, are built higher and, you know, they take all this stuff into consideration. And indoors, of course, is the best. The best. Anyway, sorry. What was your favorite outdoor stadium to kick in? Um, a true, true outdoor stadium, it would be Arizona. I mean, but that's, you know, because they can open, I guess, open the, uh, the roof. But, well, I'm not, um, I, I'm not counting retractable domes. No? Like full open-air stadium. What was your favorite building or location to kick in? Uh, like probably San, San Diego. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't come up yeah, with San Yeah, San Diego. Diego was great. Qualcomm just, Stadium. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. It could get, the only bad thing about that stadium, the old, the old Sandy, uh, Charger Stadium, is that one of the end zones, because that, that's a baseball stadium also. It, well, it used to be. Um, one of the end zones, you're kicking uphill. The back of the end zone goes down. And so, you know, I, when I was with the Seahawks, we played in that division, and I played there quite a bit. There was times when I was kicking and warming up, kicking uphill, which is not fun. You're not used to that. So. And for the younger fans, there was a time when the Seahawks were in the AFC West. I realize yeah, a lot of younger right. fans probably don't remember that. And there was, there was a time when the Cardinals were in the NFC East. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, the Phoenix Cardinals. Back yeah. in the day where there was just a central division and there was no north and south. Mm -hmm. and, and I played in both of those. I mean, I played when the Cardinals. I played for the Cardinals when we played in the NFC East, and I played for the Seahawks when we were in the AFC West. Very yeah, good. the full spectrum. Ago. Amazing! I remember that, John. <laughs> well, there aren't any names involved, so. Well, just the teams. <laughs> just the teams' names and the, the names of the divisions too. So. Yeah, and the divisions. Well, so. if Jeff has trouble rem remembering North and South, I think we have bigger problems. That's enough, John Schmelk. That's enough out of you. <laughs> <laughs> where's the di where's the disconnect button, Lance? Well, is it around? Is it my, we don't want to we don't want to take this conversation too deep. <laughs> no, we'll keep it on the shallow end. Yes. By the way, folks, if you want to get in here, we do have um, time to get another call at nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty hashtag Giants Chat as well. In fact, I think I saw a question that came in late during either yesterday's show or the show before. So let me see here if I have it, as Twitter, of course, navigates as slow as possible. Um, here we go. Christopher KT Tom. Aloha, fellas. This is KT from Hawaii. Okay. My question is, what are your opinions on how an NFL team stays consistently competitive every year? For Giants, we've been seen as consistently pad since our won our last Super Bowl. How do we stay competitive? And frankly, even when the Giants are winning those Super Bowls, guys, they weren't making the playoffs every year, right? Mm -hmm. But you have some teams like, I mean, I think the modicum of consistency has to be the Steelers, right? They've never finished under, is it 500 land since yeah, Mike Tomlin became head coach? Never below 500, correct, since Tomlin took over in 07. And that's even with a couple years in there where Ben Roethlisberger had injury issues. So they've managed to stay really consistent. So I think this is a good question. What do you guys think is the key to consistency for an NFL team to, to be good every year? That's easy. Go ahead, Lance. No, oh, I'm, yeah, well, I'm yeah. curious how yes, easy it is. I I, now you have me more intrigued. I'm, I'm going to step back for I this one, that. Jeff. Oh, that's easy. Lance, go ahead. <laughs> well, be, wait, hold No, the floor is yours, my friend. <laughs> I got to well, hear this. I, well, I feel I, once I answer this, I think you guys will agree with me. The, the, it's your quarterback. It's it's got to be the quarterback. Um, I feel like you know. Look at the look at the Steelers. Look at the Patriots. Look at the quarterbacks. Um, and and I also believe that 
you, know, you have to you got to be able to manage your cap and draft well. Those those things and that's those three things are in my mind is what it what it takes. Well, I don't disagree with any of that. I mean, I think the quarterback and the quarterback staying healthy, mm-hmm. I think is twofold with respect to that. I would also throw in on top of drafting well and obviously the front office keeping your franchise in a relatively healthy position salary cap-wise, it's also not making constant change in the front office and the coaching staff. That, I do think, is a big reason why the Steelers are the poster child because there's a reason why, John, you threw out Pittsburgh, and Mm -hmm. if you didn't mention it, I was going to go there. I need one hand, guys, to tell you how Mm -hmm. many GMs and head coaches they've had. And I'm not just talking about over the last 10 years. I'm talking about nearly in franchise history. There's a reason why the Steelers are in a league of their own. Now, granted, you have to win to maintain that consistency. You shouldn't just keep a coaching staff on for the sake of keeping a coaching staff. But many people in Pittsburgh who have been hard on Tomlin would tell you there were years where they weren't making the playoffs, and you could have easily made the argument hey, maybe it's time for a new voice to come in. Maybe it's time to shake things up. And you know what? The Steelers decided not to do that. So I think having a philosophy of, hey, we've got the right people in place and we're going to weather the storm is another big reason in helping that franchise remain consistent. So that should not be overlooked, especially in a league where the players constantly change. But if the front office and the coaching staff remains consistent, at least you know you have a good foundation there. Yeah, and I think Justin Tuck said this, Jeff, in your interview Mm -hmm. that Paul and you did with him. And this goes to Lance's point. Yeah, coaching consistency is great, but you only get coaching consistency if you have a good coach. And I think having a really strong coaching staff is is really important, having a good coach to have that consistency Mm -hmm. so you know exactly the type of players you want on your roster and, you know, you have a good feel for that. I think that is really essential when you take a look at these teams that are good for a long period of time. They have the right leadership in place, whether it's a Tomlin, whether it's a Belichick, whether it's Andy Reid when he was in Kansas City or when he was in Philadelphia, right? The Eagles were consistently going Andy Reid was there. And and I do think that along with the quarterback is essential. And once you build that foundation, it's easier to do the things that Jeff talks about, manage your cap and draft well, when you're adding to a base that's already been solidified and is stable. And I think getting to that stability takes some time. Uh, it, It takes time to get those pieces in place where you set a high floor for your franchise and your team in terms of the number of games you're going to win. And that's the tough part, to get to that point where you have the floor. Now, it could still fall apart after that. Things happen. I understand that. But I think getting to that consistency where even if you lose a couple of big pieces, you have enough depth of talent and your coach knows how to use the roster that's given to him and the GM has given him the roster and the players that he needs and wants to execute his vision, where you can survive things that other teams that don't have that high level of coaching and stability are lacking. Yeah. I, and I think patience, patience, um, from the, uh, the, uh, the upper management and ownership that truly goes a long ways Mm -hmm. because the, you know, you look at some of these teams, they just aren't patient enough. They're just like, they, they're constantly, it's a turnstile of coaches. And I think you make a great point with the position coaches because the good ones are hard to find. And when you do find them, uh, you know, they, they tend to want to take a coordinator position or move on. You look at the Steelers, they, you know, these guys just have stayed there for a long time. They've just have, have kept together and, and they stay, they, as a staff, they stay together and be able to really, and it goes to what Joe Judge is doing. It, he's hiring guys that can teach, teach 
and then that goes a long ways. And if they can build the program, then they don't have to replace their, their coaches all the time. Or if they do, guys, they go out and find the same type of individual to come in and replace who left. Well, guys so, that have previous connections, I think. Correct. That's who they look yeah, for. Yeah, well, look at this staff. Sure. <laughs> I mean, they are just – it's a spider web. Those guys, they are all connected somehow. Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to what you were talking about, Jeff, with respect to also promoting from within. I think if you give mm-hmm. assistant coaches a reason to say, hey, if I stay committed to this organization and somebody above me leaves, they're not going to go outside, but they're going to look to promote from within. I-, I think that gives assistant coaches more of a reason to hang around. So that can't be lost. For example, the Steelers, if you look at their offensive coordinators and their defensive coordinators, a number of those guys under Mike Tomlin were promoted from within. He did bring in some guys from the outside. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But at least players felt that, hey, the linebackers coach then grew to become the defensive coordinator. Or the quarterbacks coach, Matt Canada, for example, is now the offensive coordinator. And then you already have the established relationship with the players, so I think there's a smoother transition for the scheme. The other team that I think is worth mentioning, going back to Jeff's term, patience, look at the New Orleans Saints. You know, the way I think we view the Saints, we feel, guys, that they were been a juggernaut. New Orleans, I remind this a lot to people. They were 7-9 and for three straight seasons with Drew Brees as the starting quarterback. New Orleans could have easily said, you know what, Sean? It's just not happening anymore you won a Super Bowl back in 09 it's time to move on remember they went 7-9 and nine in 14 15 and 16 and you know what New Orleans stayed consistent and then Sean and company bounced back and they've won double digit games in every campaign since so patience and understanding goes a long way in helping be that consistent force that is constantly in contention for a postseason berth mm-hmm. yeah I think kind of and, and this is more in away from the larger point but I think what probably saved Sean Payton's bacon in those three years Lance is that the prom was never the offense which is kind of what Sean yeah. Payton's deal is right so he's like I'll change the defensive coordinator that's fine <laughs> <We'll try laughs> and, he did. and he did yeah, yeah. yeah. guys lost their jobs on the opposite side yeah. there's no doubt about it yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. hey Mr. Benson I know it's not me but uh, maybe we should change the defensive guys yeah exactly <laughs> I know I gave him a three-year contract but I, th- I really think we need to move that's on okay. from this well no but the... but you know guys in fairness organizations no, don't you're always right. think that 100%. way 100% no, they're right. not saying okay well it was on the defense so we'll just change the defense they're like you know we need a new voice at top and we need to revamp and then Sean can't save his job so that's why I did point that out I think that was unique from that standpoint. no 100% I agree I, I think that's a really good point and I think you know we're gonna see well I think we'll see that with Sean McVay in LA I feel like that's a long-term fit I can't imagine the Niners moving on from Kyle Shanahan anytime soon so uh, I think there are other places too where we see that developing over time and we'll see Buffalo too is another one I was actually gonna mention Buffalo I think that's a really good point I think Sean McDermott's got a chance uh, to be there for a very long time I know that John Gruden contract is long I'm not sure how much that's going to matter (laughs) <laughs> but maybe, <laughs> I guess that's also a possibility. Know, right? um, but oh. things can change quickly. Anyway, what a couple other tweets here. Clay from Brooklyn. I think Ellerson Smith will be getting a ton of edge rush snaps on passing downs. I have high hopes for him. I went back and I watched his tape. He has all the measurables. I'm not sure if I see that really, you know, ankle flexion, bendiness to get around the edge stuff with him. I think asking him to be a, a, a big contributor even on passing downs this season, especially early in the year, is probably asking a lot oh, yeah. given how many other edge rushers are on this roster. Yeah, he's got a lot to learn. He's got a lot to learn. I think he's got to get a little bigger too. He's out in my I, – I mean, that's – but I, he's – it's so hard. You guys know this to come in, especially after not even playing a year. So, yeah. I mean, 
it's, he's got a long ways to go. He really does. So it's, it's, he's going to have to learn. Yeah, I think there's rawness connected Total to rawness. It, right? Is there a word? I don't. Is rawness a word? Yeah, I think rawness is a word. Sure. Yeah, sounds like a word. It I mean, sounds who like to, who am I to be calling rawness a word or not? Right, John. Well, <laughs> hey, know. you know what? Hey, we're all guilty of making up words, but I have rawness. looked it up to confirm that is indeed it is a word. Well, see, and we're now, not see, making one up this see, time. See now, Lance, this is the problem. Jeff has gotten so cocky after these two days of unmitigated praise for him that now he's just <laughs> going to make up his words. That's you know, right. Exactly. Yeah, he's yeah. calling out grammar. He's calling out everything. Well, yeah, he's listen. on uh, you know cloud nine right now. And I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're checking. So that's good. It is a word, rawness. You're, well, there's no reason why we shouldn't be accurate on this program. So, you know, there's, let's use it in a sentence, will we? There's no rawness to this show with the guys that are on. Right? There you go. You're funny today, man. Jeff is rolling. I game show. I know. I don't know what's going on. Is this a spelling? Are you going to ask me to now spell all the words I use moving forward, Jeff? Should I be prepared for that? It's a Fegels Friday. Anything. Well, you know what we're going to do, Jeff. Here's the thing. You know that schmuck. Anything can happen on Friday, Jeff. Jeff, here's the trade-off. You can ask me to spell some notable terms, but in fairness, I'm going to ask you to spell some of the guys on the roster. Okay. No, we're not going to go there. We're, not, we're, we're out not of time. We're, we're out of time. We're way over time. We're already a minute No, over. no, I didn't say today. I said oh. in future shows, just be prepared. Oh, oh by the way, so now you're making the rules, Lance? Yes, no, pronunciations and spelling work. for players. We will, we will be doing that. So <laughs> make sure you, you study up on the roster. But in all seriousness, yes. I'm completely on the same page as both of you with respect to Ellerson Smith. I get the excitement because there's a little bit of the unknown, but I think we need to be realistic that – I don't know if the Giants' expectations are this guy's coming in day one and he's going to fill up the stat sheet. I think it's sure. more of, hey, let him get acclimated. Let him learn from some of the mix of veterans and other guys that are making progress who were recently drafted. Mm -hmm. And then maybe year two, year three, that's when all of a sudden we could see a much stronger push and, of course, more playing time. Let me put it this way. When you get to August and he's suiting up for his first preseason games, game, that will mm -hmm. be his first football game in 21 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he hasn't 20... been in games since 2019. And again, it's yeah. not his fault. He didn't no, opt out. His yeah. conference canceled his game, so they, they just didn't play. It's not his fault, but facts are facts. All right, I got one more tweet I want to get to you guys to wrap up the week. Uh, at NY Football Jesus, you talked about being happy. This was a conversation I think that uh, I had in the mailbag, actually. Uh, maybe it was on a show. I don't remember. You talked about being happy with the draft process when you look back at it, even if the picks maybe in four years don't work out. I think a large part of it also has to do with having a staff that develops players and uses them correctly. If a player fails, it's on them now. Well, for one, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, might have been put him in the wrong. He may not have been put in that position to succeed. Well, and players get hurt too. I mean, yeah. di different things happen. And by the way, I know we've talked about how this seems like a really good developmental staff. It, it's been one year. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't think do we do we know that the staff is great at developing players yet. I think Sample we think they are. So I think yeah. we I think we like what we've seen so far, but one year, I mean, what, what 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 do we talk about? We don't judge draft picks after one year, right? So I think let's allow a larger sample size here. But my, my point, though, is that, you know, some players work out, some don't. Some are the fault of the people that draft them, some aren't. But I think you have to just like the... You have to like the thought process and the philosophy behind what you're doing. I think this is a conversation we had, Lance, I think, on, on Wednesday's show, if... if if I recall, that you look back and if you if the way they go about their business on you know with the draft and, and take the example of caller the game, rationale you know, trading we were talking back. about right. behind those decisions right I, I think yeah. that's what you feel good about because look every team is going to hit on players and miss on players it's just the way it works yeah there's a lot of factors involved 
For example, it goes back to if you draft, I think actually, John, now I recall this conversation. I was talking about the logic behind the Saquon Barkley pick yeah, in 2018, that's right. 100%, right? Yep. And I was talking about if you view him as a weapon where you're going to utilize and tap into his receiving skill set as much as his running skill set, then it warrants a relatively high pick as opposed to just a runner who maybe you could say, eh, you're not necessarily getting a lot of bang for your buck. So it's all about the logic behind the pick. If it makes sense when you make the pick, then that's fine. But at the same time, you certainly don't have a crystal ball and you can't tell whether or not Saquon was going to get hurt and tear his ACL two games into last season and then in the previous season was going to miss some time because of an ankle injury. My point was, if the Giants knew that, then they would say, yeah, we probably would go in a different direction in getting a player that's going to showcase a little bit more durability. So that's where I would say, I don't say it's a bad pick. It's just, unfortunately, the law of the land and the nature of the sport didn't work out according to plan because of what happened to the player. Hmm. Gentlemen, have a great weekend. You too, John. You as well. And we'll Thank see. You, and by the way, yeah. it looks like next Monday, folks, we're not going to be at noon every day because of the minicam schedule. I'm thinking 2 p.m. every day next week. So make sure you stay tuned for that uh, as we go 2 p.m. live every day next week with mandatory minicamp. We'll have coverage of all of that. And of course, you can find Big Blue Kickoff Five on Giants.com and the mobile app. The recent, the most recent Giants Huddle podcast is up. I talked to Scott Pioli, NFL executive, Super Bowl champion. Um, so that's up there now. If you guys want to go check that out. For Lance Meadow and Jeff Fiegels, I'm John Schmuck. Thanks for being with us for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We will see you next time, everybody.